Welcome to the Happy With Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Many of us have good lives, the lives we've always wanted, but we still feel frustrated and unhappy with ourselves. You deserve to value, appreciate, and accept you right now, exactly as you are. Whether it's life coaching tools, learning from others, or sharing my experiences, I'm here to help you be happy with yourself. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I have on a special guest, one of my many brothers, (laughs) Tom, and he is the one that is just younger than me. Tom has a interesting job that I thought would really be useful for my audience, something that they could learn from, something that you could take away and apply to your daily life. So without further ado, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Tom, will you tell me a little bit about yourself, what it is you do for a living, where you live, all that kind of stuff? So as Becky said, I am her favorite brother, of course, uh, there's a lot of us, but, and if she didn't tell you, we uh, all grew up in Bear Lake. We love to tell people work for Bear Lake. I lived in Texas for a few years and kind of adopted that state as, as my own state. We are proud to say that we're from Bear Lake and we're from the Caribbean of the Rockies. So I have to give that, that plug in there. Cause we love that. We love it. a little bit about me. I'm a regional HR and development manager for a trucking company named Old Dominion Freight Line. I've been there about six years and I've been in the industry while going on 14 years this year. The time has flown by. And if you know anything about the transportation business, there's never a dull moment, whether you're the manager, whether you're one of the employees, but even more so being in the human resources field. We always tease that someday we'll write a book of all the funny, goofy things that have ever happened, you know, in the companies that we've worked for. Sometimes we keep little files that, you know, just, hey, this happened today. It's just one of those things where you just, you can't make this stuff up. Really? And it's really quite shocking. And some of the stuff I can't even share because it's so crazy. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's the exciting thing about being in HR. And it was a field that I wasn't really even, wasn't even really on my radar when I was thinking about a career to go into, I knew I wanted to go into business, but it wasn't until a few years into our marriage that I felt like human resources was the spot for me to go. And I'm grateful for it. I feel like it fits me and I fit it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, a little bit more about me. I've been married for 21 years, married a brown hair, blue eyed Italian girl. Well, she's part Italian. We have been married for, like I said, 20, 21 years, five kids that range from 19 years to 18 months. So we got quite a gap. I guess I'm kind of known for being very spirited on the basketball court and playing sports, which sometimes I'm not always proud of. <laughs> but I think also in the workplace, I'm known as, as a pretty level-headed person, someone that anybody can talk to. I, I spend a lot of my time dealing with management and leaders of the company. The feedback that I do get from them is that, man, you're just so easy to talk to and you're willing to listen. And I think we all need somebody like that. We need somebody like that in our personal lives, but we also need somebody like that in the, in the workplace too. Sometimes people just want to blow off steam and and sometimes I'm just listening to what they have to say. Um, But other times it's, it's coaching them and guiding them on what they should do on on a particular situation. Okay. 
Yeah. Similar to what I do. I think we both got a little bit of that listening and coaching from our mom. We learned that skill from her. So tell me about what you see in your workplace because you're in the people business really in HR, right? Tell me a little more about that. You know, most people want to come into work, do their job, provide for their family and go home, but also to feel good about them, about what they do. I think we're seeing that more and more in the generation that's coming into the workforce now. So much talk about millennials and all the different generations. And it's something that, that I know you and I have talked about in the past was people want what they didn't have when they were 10 years old. That's something that we do a lot of our teaching within our company. Mildred Ramsey is her name. She wrote a book called The Super Supervisor. And she applies a lot of techniques that we use in our work today. But I, I guess what I see is that, that people want to come into work. They want to feel good about what they do. The manager, the management team wants them to come in and do their job and not cause any problems. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things that go into that. I think that probably the most difficult part is the people. What we do at my company is we pick up and we deliver freight. Yeah. Kind of a simple idea. But when you have 21,000 employees, actually we're at 24,000 employees this year, it's tough to manage all those people and manage the freight that we handle and move back and forth across the country Mm -hmm. and globally too. Yeah, because people are human. They have emotions, right? What makes a good culture where people really Mm -hmm. like to go to work? Because you're saying that's what they want. They want to go to work. They want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel good about the place where they work. How do you help with that? What makes them feel good? So I'm going to tell you a lot of things that Mildred talks about. And the reason why I bring her up is I had no idea who she was until I came to work for Old Dominion Freightline. Had no idea. I credit my boss and bosses that are based in North Carolina for their guidance in this. And I connect with it a lot. So the interesting thing about her, Mildred Ramsey, that she spent 42 years in the textile industry. Not once was she ever a manager, a leader, or a supervisor. So her perspective is very unique because she can tell you what a good supervisor uh, looks like how they act, and what makes up a good supervisor. All from the employee's view and never from a manager's view. Yeah. So it's, it's really special. One of the things that I want, that I want to, to, to say is that we, and we tell this to our leaders, your employees are not personnel, they are people. They have families, they have a life outside of work, they have things that they are passionate about outside of work. She talks about how employees are doing three things. And and if you ever watch her videos, pull it up on YouTube. She has giant glasses and, and this big hair that, you know, she's an older lady, but she's no longer on the earth. She passed away uh, a few years back, but her concepts and the things that she teach teaches and taught are timeless in our books. But she says, and we are guilty of this as mom and dad. Yes. More so in the workplace. Okay. And that is that employees and our kids, sometimes we're the cardinal sin that we do is that we're only worried about what they're doing. If I'm talking about my kids, why aren't you cleaning up that room? 
If I'm talking about, why aren't you doing the dishes? Why aren't you doing this? I'm, I'm just concerned about what they're doing with their hands or what they're supposed to be doing. What assignment did I give them? Same goes for the workplace. She says that every employee has a mind, has a heart, and a spirit. Mm. People's mind is how involved they are in the work. And their heart is exactly where that is. Where is their heart? Their heart is with their family. Their heart is with things that truly matter. Okay. And, um, and, and of course, their spirit as well is a very important piece of that. But we are sometimes guilty of just being worried about what uh, people are doing. Yes, because this applies to moms, any kind of kids, or with, especially with teenagers. This, I don't know if we said it or not, but you're also in the bishopric in your ward applies to leadership and trying to engage the members in your ward or motivate the members in your ward to do certain things, right? And you're, maybe you're looking at the numbers instead of looking at the people and looking at those three things that you just said, but then in, in your workplace also. Yeah. What I would add mention about that is I am over the teacher age, young men in the church. It's also 14, the right? age about 14 to 15 and, and the same with, with the young women as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I really try to, to give equal time to both, both groups. Those who I've talked to have said, man, I wish I had spent more time with young women or I wish I had spent more time doing this or going to girls camp or whatever it may be. I really try to divide my time up. So, but what what I wanted to say about that is that it's challenging to motivate a 14 and 15 year old boy or girl, right? We are taught our goal for those young men, we can get in there and we could teach a lesson every Sunday and it would probably be a good lesson, but I don't know how much they would get out of it. We really encourage trying to have the young men teach a lesson. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's 10 minutes. I don't care if they leave us with 40 minutes left in a lesson. Okay. Um, That something along those lines helps that youth to grow, whether it's a young woman or a young man, I would tell you, and I kind of long way around to what I want to talk about. And that was that we must care, right? Same goes for a leader in the workplace. You need to care about your employees, whether you truly feel that way or not, you need to act like you do because your employees need to feel that you care about them. Your young men, young women, they need to feel like you care about them as well. That's important. And when they truly feel like you care about them, whether we're talking about our employees or we're talking about young men or young women or uh, even our kids, once they realize that, I think that's when some serious change and you can start on that motivation to get them to do, do things, right? What does that look like? I'm going to keep using Mildred because I think she's a great example, but Mildred uses an example. She calls them turkeys, right? She has these funny, funny, funny little quirky sayings that you'd probably hear uh, in any small town that, that I am familiar with. And she says, you know, if you want to try to get lemonade out of, out of a lemon, you have to try to act like you're interested. She had no interest in football, but she had a a fellow employee that she wanted to try to get to know a little bit. She, She pretended to like football and she said, Hey, I heard your son's playing football and, 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 you know, started to get into this 
dialogue that that really kind of took this other employee off off guard. But over time, she she slowly kept asking little bits and pieces about about this other employees, you know, this the, the, his son and and playing football and how he was doing. And before you knew it, he was talking about, oh yeah, he's he had x amount of yards for the game. He had this many touchdowns for the game. And in in an instant they became friends once they started getting onto that at that point. And so now does that equate for, for everybody? And that's, that's a business side of things, but, but maybe something our kids do that we really have no interest in. For example, (laughs) my son who is currently on a mission loved video games. Right. Uh, Now we, we tried to, Kurt tell that a lot. And, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about balance, you know, if you're only playing video games, that's not good too much of a, you know, one thing is, is, is a bad thing. Right. So we, we talked a lot about balance in it, but I, I am not coordinated with my two thumbs with an, with the, with the joysticks and things that they have now and the controllers that they have now, I was Mario brothers, you know, press the over button, press the up and down button. And I'm golden. But when it comes to the two two joysticks in your hand, I am completely lost. And but I wanted to make sure that he felt like I was interested in his in things that he was doing. Mm-hmm. And for every kid, for every employee, that will be something different. So your job is to find out what that is, and they need to care about you, and you need to care about them, and they need to feel like you care about them. Right? Would you say it's it's like getting curious? Like people might it, think that that sounds fake. Like you don't care mm-hmm. about football, and you're pretending to care about football, but it's more of getting curious. I wonder why you like that. I yeah. may not like video games, and I may not like football, yeah. but I wonder why you do. It may feel uncomfortable at at first, but if you come at it with a, a genuine and a sincere standpoint, I, I think that I think the most people will roll with it. I think for the most part, people like to talk about themselves. They like to talk about what makes them tick. You find something, you find something and it, and it could be, you know, 10 minutes. It could be, could be longer, whatever it may be. You're going to find something that you have in common. Number one, right. number two, something that you can, you can use and, and build on to learn more about. And, and you're right. It could be, just be something you're inquisitive about and want to learn about. But if I'm talking about my kid or my, my, one of my, one of my children, why are you interested about it? Just exactly kind of what you said. Why are you, what makes, what makes this so interesting for you? Mm-hmm. Like when I played video games with, with my son, most of the time I, I was looking straight up in the sky and we're, it was just shooting games. I'm looking straight up in the sky or looking straight down at the ground and I wasn't doing anything. And, and he was doing all the, all the, all the video game stuff, but you know what? We, we got to spend some time together, but I think he appreciated that, right? He, after he, I, I, know, I know that he's like, remember when he tried to play video games with me? <laughs> Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> but that effort matters. And so, yeah. yeah. I think there's so much to be said about, we do care about our kids. We love our family, but do they feel like you like them or that you love them? We may be at polar opposites, but you've got to find a way to connect with them. That is the first step to motivating someone to do something to engage or do anything is to like them. She talks a lot about management must care. 
right? She has so many really cool stories that she, she shares throughout. She talks about how employees judge the entire company by their supervisor. You could be the lowest rung supervisor, but this, these employees judge the company by that frontline or first line supervisor. I thought that, I thought that's really in, intriguing. So we put a lot of weight in, into that when we do our trainings that listen, the, the, what we do here at OD it weighs on how you treat your employees. Yeah, I would say that's true in my job that the supervisor just above me, because that's who my world is. I don't interact with the CEO of the company. Right. I interact with my group fitness manager. So right. whether she gets back to me, whether she's responsive to me, mm-hmm. that is kind of how I gauge whether I like my job in a yeah. lot of ways. I want to share a, just a couple of paragraphs out of this book. It's the section that talks about management must care. She says, the employee wants to feel that the boss cares about him. After I spoke to a group of managers, a participant came up and said, Mrs. Ramsey, I get the feeling that you think all employees are good and all supervisors are bad. No. When I talk to employees, I try to tell them what they owe you, I said. Then she began telling me about one of her workers and really was bad-mouthing that person. When a friend joined us and started adding to the put-down of the employee, you give me the impression that you don't like this, like this employee, I said. She didn't answer, and I added, I get the idea that you can't stand this person. And again, this stuff can be related to our family. Right. She took a deep breath and stepped back, still no, not replying, and I told her, I am sorry, but I have to tell you that if you can't stand this employee, you will never motivate her. Employees need to feel good about you. Supervisors, they have to like you and they need to feel that you like them. You can't fake it. This is one of the reasons it takes a special person to be a supervisor and be a mom or dad. (laughs) Now there are moments that we don't like our kids. And I think that's okay too in moments, right? <laughs> when they're throwing that temper tantrum in the grocery store, right? Nope. But nope. overall, I do think it's important for, because I think they know we love them, but do we like them? Mm-hmm. Do they know that? Nope. Yeah. Yep. We could tell them, and I have to think about my employees too, that if I'm telling them, hey, good job, and it's very general, I love you. You know, if I'm talking to my kids, if it's very general, it doesn't carry as much weight as if, if I say to one of my employees, Hey, you know, that project that you spent all that time on, I want to just give you a special thank you or give them a card or send them a candy bar, whatever it may be. Hey, good job with that. You did an excellent job. I like how you did this and that. And you're specific with it. It goes a long ways. Well, same goes with our kids, right? Thanks for being home on time from that party. That really means a lot to me right? Or, hey, thanks for helping to clean up dishes after, after dinner. That, that really is important to me. When you give that type of recognition, that goes a long ways too. Kids are still going to be kids. They're still going to make stupid decisions. Employees are still going to make decisions that they shouldn't as well. Yeah. And we have to discipline. We have to hold, hold them, them accountable account. for what they, what they do. That's, that's our job as leaders in, in the workplace and moms and dads at, at the home. Yeah. When we were having a conversation before, you talked about job satisfaction and about how there was a list. I was surprised about where the money, how much people are getting paid actually showed up on the list. Do you want to tell a little more about that? In, in our uh, 
surveys that we've done in our company. The one that we we'd actually just had one this year and it was slightly different, but not, not hugely different. But we, we find that employees value feeling appreciated as the number one thing to them in our surveys. Number two was to fill in on things. And number three was to have sympathy for problems. So what that tells me is being recognized, it's kind of being in the know on what's going on in the company. And then lastly, when, when I have an issue with my family or something going on at home, it's important that you listen, that you hear me and that I work with you, that as a leader, I work with you to go through those problems. So for our employees, that those were some of the top three. But for managers, and the list is about 10 items, I think, or maybe even 11 that we've talked about. And for employee money was down to about five, six or seven, I want to say number seven in, for employees. We, we pay well at OD. Money wasn't the number one thing. It was those other things. But it, the contrast is we also do that for managers, right? Tell us what's most important to you money was most important for them. Mm. That was the top thing. So you have this <laughs> offset is it, it, what I call it, right? You have managers who are like, hey, money is the most, most important thing. How do I get my money? Well, I come in and I do my job. Why aren't you doing the same thing? How come you're not in here doing your job? You, you miss a day of work? Hey, you, you need to be in here working. That's how you get your money. Don't you know that's number one, yeah. right? That's, that's, that's the approach. So they have to take the approach of, right, this isn't the most important thing for them. Their family is the most important thing for them when it comes outside of work, but we need to recognize them for, for a job well done. I think that would carry over to kids where we're thinking the most important thing is that I raise a good kid, right? You're a good contributing member of society. And so you should be doing this and you should be getting good grades and you should be going to church and, you know, all those kind of things. Oh, I just want to know if you like me. I just want to know if you care about my problems and I'm not worried about how I'm going to turn out. And, you know, if I'm going to contribute to society, I just want to know if you care about me. Yeah. And, you know, I think of the old uh, church commercials, right? Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think of it, but it's true. It's a simple concept, but it's true. The only way that you're going to get to know your child or your employee is you got to spend time with them. We promote, we push managers and leaders having one-on-ones. Now we do this on a quarterly basis, but if you've got somebody that is a, what what Mildred calls a turkey, you're going to need to spend a lot more time with them Mm. and doing things that you like maybe, but really you want to find out what makes them tick and then do those type of things with them. That's how you're going to be able to connect with your kids. If they're being, exactly. But it's either way it's, you know, we, we look at those one-on-ones as a sit down meeting. It's really informal, but you're in an office where it's just you and that other manager. And it's your time just to talk. How are things going? How are you doing? How's the family? And we, and we even tell our managers to make a little note and say, you know, this is what, so-and-so told me about them when they have a baby. Hey, how's, how's the baby doing? Right. And, and, oh, you find out the name. One of the things she talked about in here was she had to call in one day and she said, Hey, one of my, one of my kids is sick. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make it in. And she talks about how this manager said, Oh, is it Jimmy or is it Johnny? 
And the, the manager and the supervisor knew the names of her kids was like, and she talks about how when she, she uh, came back to work the very next day, she found somebody to watch her kids because she knew that that manager needed her on the job. And it wasn't the first thing when she came back, it wasn't glad you're back. Go, you know, go run this mill or whatever. It was, how's it going? How you doing? How's the, how's the family doing? And that was, and she, she paid him back in performance. Mm. Yeah. And not that we're necessarily trying to get performance out of our kids, but right. Right. it still translates. One of our uh, sister-in-laws had, had mentioned that she comes home, the house is a bomb and it's really frustrating to her. Performance in that scenario is she wants her kids to just pick up after themselves and do those kind of things. That's, That's performance in a, in a family setting is, you know, your finding, part. exactly, doing your part. All right, Tom. So since the name of my podcast is Happy With Yourself, the question I ask people at the end is, and, and going to kind of change it a little bit to what we're talking about, but in regards to creating engagement or motivating people, what does it mean to be happy with yourself, happy with yourself as a leader, happy with yourself as a dad, happy with yourself as a HR manager? I'll address it from the leader standpoint first. Um, a happy leader is a leader that is able to motivate his or her employees through the techniques that we teach in our, in our leadership school leadership classes, right? And that is, and that is finding out what makes them tick, realizing that they're just, they're, they're more than just a personnel, they're people, they have families, they have lives outside of work. Every employee is different. What may work with one may not work with another one. Right. And when those employees are successful, meaning that they are being productive, they are doing the job, they're doing what is asked, that's success. And when they are successful, you as a leader are successful. Success in happiness, I guess I would say, being happy with myself as an HR manager is seeing that in action. I don't always get a ton of feedback from some of the supervisors that we train. I think it's just a habit. It's like drinking from a fire hose and then they go back and we want them to try these, at least a little few nuggets to be successful at the back in the job. But there was one time where a supervisor came back and said, hey, I tried what you talked about in one of your trainings last and it worked. I was happy. That was a happy day for me. And then I think as a parent, sometimes it may just being able to connect with your son or daughter in a way that starts a change. Um, sometimes our kids are not going to change. They're not going to change overnight for sure. We know that. Um, but starting to see a change, I think we need to be happy with that. And, and they have to act for themselves, have to decide for themselves. That's what I keep thinking about too, is you, you got to plant that seed. It was, gospel talks about that we, it should be through persuasion and not being commanded to do things. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to be said about that. And I, I, I could go on all night and I'm sure it won't take all night, but that's <laughs> some of the things that I, when I think of being happy with yourself, those are the things that come to mind. Oh, that's perfect. And that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on and talking about this. One thing that you said in one of our conversations was this is simple stuff. This is basic, but those are the things that are the hardest, right? Yep. It's the simple, basic 
stuff that we forget and we get consumed by results and get consumed by the doing line and the action line instead of caring about people and connecting and having that engagement and that motivation. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Thanks. You can stay on. That's just the end of the. Everyone deserves to be happy with themselves. Share this episode with a friend, leave a review so others can find the podcast and don't forget to hit that subscribe button.